Good morning, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Your Mind, Your Body, Your Choice with your girl here, Sonia McQueen. So I was a little worried yesterday. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to do a podcast by myself several times, I'm sure. I won't have a guest speaker all the time like today, and there's no way I can speak for 30 minutes. Even when I'm having a conversation with somebody after 10 minutes, I feel like I've talked so much my head hurts. So to sit for 30 minutes, I thought, how can I do this? And I suddenly get a text message and it says, what God has anointed you to do, he equips you. This is why you can express yourself through writing and verbally. Just go with the flow and speak. And then I was sent to Jeremiah 1.9. Let me say this. I'm going to tell you guys stories. They're true stories through through these podcasts. And some are going to wow you and some of you are going to think, yeah, that's not true. But one thing I'm not going to do to you ever is lie. So, of course, I wake up at 2 o'clock last night to pee because that's what people 50 and over do. They pee a lot. We drink a lot of water, we get up in the middle of the night, and we pee two, three, four times sometimes. So during my second pee session, I was wide awake afterwards. You know, I washed my hand, got back in bed, and started watching forensic files. And I was sitting there, started scrolling through my phone. I was looking for some um, bondage shoes, they're called. Don't, Don't judge me on the name of the shoes. They're really cute. They buckle a lot. So I was looking for some stilettos and I just suddenly stopped and closed my eyes and all of a sudden I seen my son and there were certain things about my son that I seen and I was like, oh wow, okay God, I see that. This is what I should start my show off with. So let me tell you what brought about the show. My very first book is called Vanessa's Choice and Although I wrote it, and you're going to wonder why I wrote a book I didn't want to publish, it wasn't written in book form. It was me writing my feelings, my thoughts, my heart on paper, and it kept me sane. Writing keeps me sane. I accidentally left my notebook in a friend of mine's classroom. Her name's Monica Blair. I left it and she thought it was one of her students. She was looking through it and the next time I seen her, she was like, oh my gosh, Sonia, one of my students and she started recounting what I wrote in that notebook. And I was like, holy shh, that's mine. I told her, that's mine, that's mine, that's not one of your students. And she kept pushing, you've got to do something with this, you've got to, but I had no intentions. And eventually, I looked at it, and I thought, maybe maybe I'll do that. You know, nobody knows me. Well, I released the book maybe a year or two later. And although nobody knew me, um, I started getting all of these calls and, and messages and inboxes about my book. And I think what it is about Vanessa's Choice, it's true, and it's so mind-blowing who could go through this really that it intrigued the media and it intrigued everyday people? 
but the book is about me giving up my child for adoption. That's the gist of it. The way I live my life before, you know, carefree. I'm just having fun. I just want to party. I just want to drink and, and be with boyfriends. To the way giving up a child changed me. It changed me. And not for the better at first. I was more subtle. Um, I was very emotional. I was sad a lot. I didn't really think I deserved friends. It's really crazy what giving up my child for adoption did to me mentally, um, spiritually, emotionally. I, I did step into my spirit more. You know, I, I went to church more. I, I spent more time with God, but I still wasn't happy overall. And when people were super nice and made me happy, after a while I would get rid of those people because I didn't think I deserved that kind of happiness. Now, I did not know that is why I was doing the things I was doing. It took some time, years, for me to realize, oh, wow, I was sabotaging my own life. I was sabotaging my own life. In the midst of this book, you know, I'm being told my son passed away when um, the father found out I gave up his child for adoption. The, the story is really deep, and I'll talk more about it you know, here and there, here and there. But the book is about me giving up my child for adoption and what it did to me mentally, the way I was living my life before, the way I was living my life after, and who I blamed for all of it. I blamed the girl who talked me into coming to live with her while I was pregnant. She was my best friend. She was my main focus, my main blame for me giving up my child. When I wrote my book, I hated her. In my heart, I hated her. And the readers hated her. I would go to speaking events and people would be like, oh my gosh, what happened to her? I hope she's this and I hope she's that. And it was all negative. And I would jump right on that bandwagon. It took a little bit more maturity for me to realize the only person I had to blame for everything I went through was self. The girl in the mirror was the main person I should have been upset with for getting pregnant yet a second time by a totally different guy and having no husband in my life, no real money in the account, no home to call my own, no vehicle to call my own at age 23 not being mature enough to make the decisions to either say no, keep your legs closed, or saying, okay, I'm pregnant again. Let me do all these things to make my home ready for my children. Or C, telling the father, hey, I'm pregnant. What are we going to do in making that decision with somebody instead of just saying, ah, I'm not with him anymore. Let me go on about my life. I'm not going to tell him anything. I'm just going to cut him out. Every decision I made was for me. I did not realize that immediately. It took years, but the decisions I made were the decisions I made for me. I blame my mother for telling me I was a horrible parent to give up the child. 
it wasn't her fault. Maybe I was a horrible parent. I had a a two-year-old daughter when I found myself pregnant the second time. And although I think I was a great mom, I can't tell you any great things I did. Not at that time, you know, other than loving, kissing, and hugging her. I was one of those, you know, no whoopings, lots of love, no yelling. I don't raise my voice ever, so I I just don't know what made me think that it was all these other people's fault, not mine. My uncle's fault for calling me a no-good baby seller, my auntie's fault for not allowing me to come live with her when I found myself pregnant a second time, you know, everybody's fault everybody's fault but mine for putting myself in the situation I was in. Now, I know there are some people who have the same story. Some people's are more tragic. Some people's are better. I just want to hear your stories. That's it. Okay, so back to what I was thinking at 2 o'clock this morning. My son who is alive, because I know you heard me earlier saying I was told he was deceased. I'll get to that some other time. But my son, who is now 29, as handsome as he knows he is, because he is a looker, um, is thriving. He was raised by two beautiful, wonderful people who lovingly made sure I was a part of his life once I knew he was alive at a later age. Um, he's in college for the third time, and I don't mean he keeps not completing. He keeps completing college and going back for higher education. He's on a world tour right now. Um, he's in the Bahamas. A couple of weeks ago, he was in Mexico. He's going to go through a tour of Europe. He comes to see me every year. We spend time every year. He's very close to his sisters, my daughter's. He has two sisters through his adoptive parents he's very close with. He's just a good kid all the way around. I'm extremely proud of him. And you would never know he wasn't there from day one in his sister's lives. In my life, I'm just amazed at what a terrific, beautiful young man a grown man, excuse the young Bart, because he's 29, he is. I missed 16 years of that, but once again, you wouldn't know. I, I, I love him, and he loves me. But that comes from wonderful parenting. That shows that the parents who did raise him, raised him in a lot of love, openness, the ability to look at me and say, I forgive you for giving me away. I forgive you for not being there. I forgive you for all of that. Not once has he had a foul word or thought towards me. That's love. That's how you raise a child. Now, I was telling somebody this. I had a speaking engagement, and I was saying, you know, how... Love is love. It doesn't matter who it comes from because I'm a chocolate sister. My son is, and he hates it when I say this because he doesn't agree, he's a yellow boy. He says he's red. I say he's yellow. 
will agree to disagree, but he's yellow, you guys. He was raised by Caucasian parents. Caucasian adoptive parents. And I've had people say, oh my God, how could you let white people raise your child? I don't know. I let people who came to me with love, who already had adopted one beautiful, light-skinned girl of color that wanted a brother or sister for her so she wouldn't be alone, so she wouldn't be the only person with brown skin in that house. So I wasn't thinking color when I said yes. I was thinking loving. And guess what? They were loving, which is why he's loving and caring. There are so many things about me giving up my child for adoption that rubbed other people wrong. And at the time, I let what they felt and thought weigh on my conscious, you know, the, the color of his parents, the fact I gave him up at all, the fact that I had enough nerves to come into his life 16 years later, the fact that the adoption agency told me he died, the fact that I didn't tell his son, I'm sorry, excuse me, his father, that he existed, the fact that my mother told me I was not a good parent. The fact that my friend in uh, Texas had me come move out there just to tell me that, oops, we really don't want you here. The fact that I had a child after I gave up a child for adoption. Everybody had an opinion. If you take everybody's opinions and you take them to your heart, you will drive yourself crazy. You will drive yourself crazy. The same person I talked about yesterday that sent me that text, Paula, I sent her a text yesterday and said, we live in such a different world now. It's like negativity is the way to be. The more negative you are, the more people seem to rush to you. I'm looking at these stars, and I've never been a starstruck person. You know, they're, they're online, and their whole life is at the forefront for everybody to see. They're going through breakups, and they got to tell you everything. They're downing each other. They're, they're parading themselves. They're half naked, or they are naked. They are doing whatever it takes to draw more and more and more and more and more fans in. And it works. Look at how many stars we talk about that are 100% positive. I can name a couple and they're good stars, but they're not in the limelight all the time. The ones that are in the limelight are the ones wilding out, acting a complete fool, doing the most, doing the most. They get the most attention and they get the most feedback. They're getting the most money and people see that and that's what they want. I did not want my podcast or anything in my life to be like that. I did not want to come out and people to lean on all the negative things that are in my book and me feed off of that and me to get coins off of that. As a matter of fact, 
before I moved to Florida, which is where I live now, hot, sunny, beautiful South Florida, I was on TV quite often, and I received offers to be on plenty of TV shows. I received book offers. I received all these things, but I was so unhappy. I was so unhappy. I I was traveling around speaking, and I was just so unhappy because even though my story has a beautiful, happy ending, most of the questions I was asked were surrounded by my darkest days. And people seemed to focus on my darkest days, not the light that was at the end of the tunnel, not the, the grace and the faith that was dropped upon me. They focused on what made me so sad and sitting and recounting those moments over and over Guess what that did? It just made me sadder. Then I would have people line up to talk to me. And what do they want to do? They don't just want to talk and say, your story inspired me or I went through this. They want to drop all their burdens right there at your feet. And they want you to have the answers. They want you to guide them and fix their situation because they think you fixed yours. I didn't fix anything. I just wrote about it. You guys read it. You thought it was amazing. You asked me to come and speak. You don't even know if I'm a good speaker. You don't know if I I have keynotes. You don't know if I'm going to come up here and and stammer and stutter and curse and, and start picking on people. You have no idea. All you know is I wrote a book. That's it. You don't know me personally. And now I have these. 30 people standing in line waiting to talk to me and drop all their burdens at my feet and say, fix it. Tell me what to do. You figured out what to do in your life. Tell me what to do in mine. Then I leave those events and I go home and I get on Facebook and what do I see? All these inbox messages with people saying, hey, this is my problem. I have people hitting me up with drug problems. I have people asking me to come and speak at drug treatment facilities. Okay. I've never been on a drug, believe it or not. I I don't do drugs, but you want me to come speak? People want me to come and speak at, um, I was even asked to come be a keynote speaker at some kind of Alcoholics Anonymous event. Y'all, I've never been an alcoholic. When I say I drink, I drink beer. I drink beer. Everybody who knows me that is listening to this that knows me is laughing because they know I'm a lightweight. I can have a glass of wine. That second glass of wine, I'm probably going to throw up. I'm a lightweight. So you need to lean on people that have been through the situations and have overcome. Those are the people that you ask to come speak at your drug treatment facility and your, your Alcoholics Anonymous or... I believe one time I was in Missouri and somebody from St. Louis asked me to come speak. And I did. I went and it turned out it was about abuse. You know, they wanted me to speak. They told me what they wanted me to speak about. They wanted me to speak about physical abuse. You want somebody who's never had a whipping from a parent who doesn't whip her child who 
any guy I've ever dated knew they better not think about putting their hands on me. I don't get down like that. To speak about abuse to a group of abused people? How unfair is that? How unfair is that? So I, I needed to stay in my lane, my lane, and not be all over the place. So I started something called Led by Motivation. And what Led by Motivation was supposed to do was I would have somebody who was um, on top on top of the world, they overcame a drug habit. Not only overcame it, they're, they're well-spoken. And they could speak to a group about drug abuse and drug use and how they overcame it and the steps they can take. I had somebody who could speak about the alcohol. I had somebody who could speak about abuse. I had somebody who could speak about all kinds of things. And on top of that, I had a couple of people who could just speak and let me stay in my lane. Let me talk about what I'm good at speaking about. And that was a beautiful thing. But as with everything in my life at that moment, it became heavy for me. The speaking became heavy. The conversations became heavy. I didn't want to talk about giving up my child anymore because then I felt like I was prospering off of something he went through. Mind you, once again, once again, I'm thinking I don't even have a son alive at the beginning of this. At the beginning of this, when I first wrote my book, I thought my son was deceased. So I feel like I'm prospering off of somebody else's pain. I feel like I'm prospering off of bad things I did. Why should I prosper? And that's why it rubs me wrong when I look at the media and I see stars acting a complete fool and prospering from it bringing all this negativity to our children and they're prospering off of it our children are wanting to amplify what these people are doing and be just like them you got a rapper rapping about all the mollies they take and all the weed they smoke and all the coke they sniffing and our kids are like oh yeah i want to be like them next thing you know you're putting your child in drug rehab or a grave. I didn't want to fuel that kind of fire. So hence my broadcast won't be full of negativity. I'm sorry. It'll tell about some negative things I went through. It'll tell about the things I've done that maybe I blamed others for that are 100% my fault because nobody's in charge of my life but me. And if I'm following the right protocol, I should be getting all my steps ordained by God, you know. But as anybody else in the world, I set my own path quite often, and he allows it. And that path often leads to dark tunnels, not to the light. And of course, I go back to the throne and ask for guidance all over again, and he gives it all over again. That's that forgiveness and grace mercy. So I want this to be positive. I want people to give me their stories, you know, about adoption. Have you adopted somebody? Have you given up a child for adoption? Are you considering? Do you know somebody who gave up a child or adopted? I want to hear those stories. Better yet, did you abort a child because you weren't ready? Were you considering aborting a child, but you had that child? 
did you abort and it did something to you or your family or you were forced to do something you didn't want to do. You know somebody who was forced to do so. I do. I know a girl who had seven abortions and I met her 11th grade. We were in the same class. Seven abortions by 11th grade. I want to hear that and not to clown on anybody. I don't want this to be about that. I want this to be total love. Can you not have children? Do you not want children? You know, I want to hear all that. I, I just want this to be an open, loving atmosphere for people to speak about what they've been through, what they're going through, what somebody else went through, and let's discuss it. All right? So back to <laughs> for the third time, two o'clock this morning, I was thinking about my son, all the great things, you know, he's he's doing in his life and how he makes sure we're a part of it all. Do you know how blessed I am for that? Not only did I give up my child at birth and didn't see him until he was either 14 or 16 and I don't want to he was born in 92 he was born in 92 and I did not meet him until I want to say 2006 yeah something like that so do the math do the math for me it's too early in the morning I can't add so I met him in 2006, but before I could even meet him, his adoptive father came and spent time with me. You know why? Because he's a loving parent. He wanted to make sure I wasn't a psychopath. <laughs> he wanted to make sure that I wasn't on some BS, that his son wasn't going to come meet me for the first time and spend time with me, and I was a drug head, that I had a whole bunch of negative people around me that I wasn't affiliated with the wrong things. He was a good parent looking out for his son. And he came and he spent days in my area. I think I even offered for him to stay in my house, but he got a hotel and he approved. There's nothing better to me that I can say to you in my life than my son's father approved of me meeting my son and spending time with him. The very first time I met him, I went to him. I flew to Oregon. I was so nervous. I went to his track meet and there were all these beautiful boys out on the field. And there weren't many boys of color, I'll admit that. But you gotta know, I had not seen him. And as soon as he ran across the field, I knew who he was. I knew it was my son, handsome, light, yellow, and just out there, brace face. And um, it was a beautiful situation. It was a beautiful situation. From the first time I met him, he came and sat next to me. He spoke. We went by ourselves. We had breakfast. He was loving. He was caring. I was apologetic. He let me know no apology necessary. I asked him, was there anything I could do for him in this world? And he only asked for one thing, and that was to know who his dad was. The way we raise our children 
whether we want to raise them in craziness, yelling, cussing, doing drugs, smoking, drinking, and raise a child in that kind of atmosphere, or if we want to raise them in a loving, quiet, God-filled, praising family, the way they turn out is the way they turn out. I have a friend, um, I'm going to say this and and I'm going to end. I had a friend in high school that I was crazy about. We we were like two peas in a pod. And I used to love to stay at her house. She used to smoke weed with her parents and they drink. And her parents allowed her to have sex in the house. And, you know, we're in high school. And I was just amazed at all that. I didn't do any of those things. Even when I was with her, I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. And I definitely didn't have sex, contrary to what people said when I moved from Missouri. I was a virgin. I didn't have sex till I was on my own. But I was amazed at how cool I thought her parents were. I thought they were the coolest people in the world. Man, they let her smoke. Dang, she gets to drive the car. We riding all around. She high. I'm laughing. We having fun. You know, the, the, her older sister and brother-in-law would come over and they all hitting the bong together. And I was just, damn, they cool. It wasn't until I had kids realized that ain't cool. <laughs> that ain't cool. I am putting all these things in my kids' hands and not letting them as adults make those choices. I told my kids after they were done with school, getting ready to go on their own, I did the best I could. No matter what you go do in this world, you do it because you want to do it, not because somebody else pushed you to do it or not because I dropped it in your face I took you to church you're either going to keep going to church because you want to go but you won't go because I forced you to go if you go out and you become a hoe you're going to be a hoe because you want to be a hoe not because I showed you hoeish behavior if you go out and you start doing crack and cocaine and all that it's because you want to do it not because your friends led you to it or because you've seen it from me You do what you're led to do, but I pray you're led to do the right things. You go to school, you get your education, you get great jobs, you get married, you become parents. Let me be grandparents. And I can say thus far, even though they didn't follow the plan 100%, I'm extremely blessed by all three children that I have. All right, you guys, I want to Thank you for listening to me. And I made it. I actually made it to 30 minutes. I'm so proud and and have more on my heart. But I am going to end this so that next week I can let the Lord lead me in whatever direction he's going to lead me. This will be a clean podcast. But if I curse every once in a while, it's just in me to do so. And I apologize in advance. Um, once again, you can find me on Facebook. I'm going to post these podcasts. And if you want to be a part of any of these shows, all you have to do is inbox me. Please inbox me. I'm going to include my uh, personal email address on one of these uh, applications as well. God bless you. Have a beautiful day. Thank you for your time.